Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. For such a young artist, St. O.C. has a voice wise beyond her years. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. We're joined by up-and-coming Swedish soul singer St. O.C. Plus, we'll review the latest from one of my heroes, Brian Eno. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and later on in the show, Jim, I don't know if you're going to be able to wait for this, but uh, we actually have a review of your hero, Brian Eno, and his new album, The Ship, for long pieces of music. Can you wait? That's the big question. I don't know where this comes from, because you love him as much as I do. But first, we have some music news. Sorry by Beyonce from the new album Lemonade. Greg, we reviewed that last week on the show. Both of us are big fans. Sorry is the most streamed song in America at the moment. All 12 tracks on that album are in the Hot 100 Billboard singles chart, but an even more impressive accomplishment, a first in history. With Lemonade, Beyonce now has had six albums that have debuted at number one on the Billboard chart. All six came out, all six went straight to number one. Quite a chart feat. Yes, Jim, uh, it's Beyonce's world. We're just living in it, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Although I gotta say, uh, you know, Prince has given her a run for the chart uh, money. I mean, Prince, who died tragically at the the age of 57, you know, it's a sad fact of the entertainment business. Death is a great career move, and uh, it, it once again is paying off for the Prince estate in that he has five of the top 10 albums last week. That's a that's a huge accomplishment. Hasn't been done since 63 when they merged the separate mono and stereo album charts. Three of those are greatest hits records. Um, with, with many of the same songs on yeah. them.
Purple Rain in 1999 plus three greatest hits, so you've got a lot of the same songs. And you kind of wonder, why do the record companies keep churning out these compilations and greatest hits records just exploiting uh, a legacy? Well, because people are buying them. Why are they buying them? I think, you know, there's just this yearning to have something by Prince to remember him by, almost like a memoir of some sort. Gee, I, I lost that cassette of my greatest hits uh, 10 years ago. I want to I go out and buy some music to, to memorialize him by. But yes, people are going out and buying this stuff yet again. Mr. America, walk on by the minds that won't be reached. Mr. America, try to hide the emptiness that's you inside. But once you find that the way you lied and all the corny tricks you tried will not forestall the rising tide of hungry freaks, Daddy. That is a little bit of Hungry Freaks, Daddy, a classic from Frank Zappa, Greg, going way back. We were just talking about Prince. You know, there's going to be this long and nasty fight over who controls and who profits from his estate now that he's gone. This is, I think, one of the saddest recurring stories on the music beat. When a great artist dies and the people left behind get in these horrible lawsuits about who controls the music left behind, who continues to profit from it, I would not have expected the Zappa family to be at the center of one of these kinds of fights, but they are. The great Frank Zappa died in 1993. His beloved wife, Gail, died last year. They had four children together, Amit, Dweezil, Moon Unit, and Diva. Interestingly, all four children benefit from the estate, but two of them, Amit and Diva, control it. Dweezil, a heck of a guitar player, has been touring for a decade as Zappa plays Zappa, playing his father's music. I've seen him. It's really impressive, Greg. But the people, the brother and sister who control the estate, are upset at Dweezil using that name, and they're forcing him to change it. They're threatening a $150,000 lawsuit. It just seems to be a really ugly separation of these two sides of the family, sibling and sibling versus sibling and sibling. Dweezil will be touring once again this summer, but he is changing the name of the show, per the insistence of his one brother and sister, to Dweezil Zappa plays Frank Zappa. No more Zappa plays Zappa. Said Dweezil, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. This is being done under duress. There is a light to all this darkness, I will tell you this. There's redemption in you, basking dim just why it is. Some answers saw better left than spoken when you know you ain't getting any. Younger, 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 are you? Younger, 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 are you? You ain't getting any. Younger, 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 are you? You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And that was the song Younger by our guest today, Saina Bosi. Younger she is, Greg. At just 25, the neo-soul singer and songwriter is already making a huge name for herself, not only in her native Sweden, but around the world. Her debut album, Pretend, came out on Universal last year after she'd released two EPs. That record paired the singer with producer Magnus Lydhall, whom she met while she was singing backup for a local rap group. 
Lighthole's an accomplished producer who's worked with a number of superstars, including Britney Spears and Kylie Minogue. And here, on this record, he shares the task of fusing C's Gambian and Europop influences. That's right, Jim. We spoke with Sainable while she was on tour, and we know she grew up idolizing pop and R&B artists like Lauryn Hill and Erica Badu. But I was also wondering if she was influenced by her father as well, the Gambian drummer Maudo C. I think my father is the reason why I write the way I do. We spoke a lot about like philosophy in the world and, and ideas about things and religion and stuff like that. So I think that is how he comes through in my music. He kind of introduced me to a Lauren Hill that would write about life and social injustices. It seems we lose the game before we even start to play. Who made these rules? Who made these rules? We're so confused. We're so confused. Easily led astray. And also his heritage is coming from Gambia and the way they speak to each other and people give each other a lot of advice and have a lot of beautiful ways of explaining things. Mm-hmm. You spent time in Africa and Sweden growing up. Uh, yeah. Did you feel a little rootless? Did you feel like, I've got a home? What was your attitude about yeah. your identity as a, as a kid growing up? My dad is from Gambia, so that's on the west coast of Africa, mm-hmm. inside of Senegal. And I haven't really thought about it. I started thinking about it because people ask me questions, but I think what that means is that I've never really belonged anywhere, so I've never thought about it in that sense even that I need to belong. I'm pretty comfortable. I don't compartmentalize myself. Other people do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I love it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now your music being embraced in the UK and in the US as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice and it's given me the gift of kind of having to understand people, you know, trying to find a common denominator between people just to to find a space where I can be comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has probably helped me in my music as well. I get the sense from having read several good profiles of you that you were almost a reluctant musician. Many of your songs are about resisting the urge to write songs, <laughs> right? Or wondering what I'm going to do with my life, yeah. which is an odd thing to be singing about when, when you're, you're making your debut album. So what was the path like? I mean, you went to, you studied music some in, mm-hmm. in Stockholm, right? Yeah, a little bit. I grew up on the west coast of Sweden, Halmstad is called. It's a tiny little town under Gothenburg. And... I think the reason why I was reluctant was, one, I was scared because it's a scary thing to want this thing because it's so uh, unclear and you don't really know how to get it. And then I wanted to I wanted to have a secure, financially secure life because I grew up with no money at all and I just wanted to make things better for my family and becoming a musician might not be the <laughs> safest bet, you know? So that was it. I was just trying to survive and trying to make things a little bit better for my family. And I figured, okay, so become a lawyer. But then I really quickly understood that you have to like to study. Uh, (laughs) And I don't love studying. Mm -hmm. You did make some connections, though. It sounded like it wasn't at the forefront of your mind, I'm going to do this for a living. 
but you ended up going on tour with a rapper, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and how <laughs> did that group. how did that work out? It was fun. I mean, that experience, when I look back at it, I think I was 20, 19, 20, something like that. And they asked me to come on tour and sing the choruses. And I just ended up staying on stage all show long and being like a hype man. <laughs> and and in that point in time, it felt totally natural. And I was drunk for a year. That wasn't the best thing. <laughs> but I, I learned so much. And I learned about different audiences because that audience was mostly like adolescent, teenage boys mm -hmm. jumping around really drunk. Mm -hmm. Very big difference from my audience now. We have to give our listeners a sense of this incredible voice. So are you are going to play a song for us? Yes. What are you going to give us? Um, start off a little lower. So let's start off with you. Okay. Yeah. Won't you tell me to my face If I'm bound to be replaced Cause I was thinking you might be the one Won't you show me where you're coming from Cause I've been saving you a space And you already is because it seems like you are on the run won't you show me what you're hiding from cause I need you so I, I need you so I, I need you so I will stay yes I will be standing right where you left me until you to do I'll move mountains show and prove and if you let me I'll turn on the lights show you all that I see in you that's right but we might need to speak the truth cause all the lies are I assure you nothing good will ever come If we keep on marching to this drum Cause I need you so I, I need you so I, I need you so I will stay Yes, I will be standing right where you left me Until you will look my my face if I'm bound to be replaced 
Sainabo C, pretend the debut album. What a song. Man. So Sainabo, that seems to be one of the few songs on pretend where you're addressing someone specifically. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you talked about the influence of your father being these philosophical discussions, meaning of life and where we go in life. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of that in your lyrics. But here you're talking to somebody. What was the inspiration for sitting down and writing you? It comes somewhere from me having a crush on a guy, blah, 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 and I hadn't told him, very typically me, and I knew that he was not, like, it wasn't going to work. I had this movie in my head where I told him and he said no, which was exactly what happened when I told him, by the way. So we were just in a studio and I remember Oscar Lindros, this is one of the songs that has another producer on it as well. He's a very well-known and brilliant Swedish soul artist. And we had drank too much wine, and he just started playing the piano, and I started singing. This is one of the few songs that kind of came up that way. Flowers in my garden die faster than they grow. Slowly as they wither, I reap the seeds I sow. I have felt the wind blow like fire and like snow, but only shame can conquer time and guilt should know. After the break, we'll be back with more of our conversation with Sainabo C. And check out our videos at soundopinions.org. Later, it's my turn to add a song I can't live without to the Desert Island Jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Somehow it seems you saved me And if I'm about to fall But it's only easy if you let it I swear that you won't ever regret it I swear that you won't ever regret it When all the chips are down And you're not the hottest thing around town You need a hand to safely Walk you through the maze We'll be lost here all the same Only easy if you live. 
Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, the brewers of Next Coast IPA, 312 Urban Wheat Ale, and Bourbon County Stout. Pairing beer and music since 1988, they believe it's always best to listen critically and enjoy responsibly. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Shoulder to shoulder, I know it could be easy, yeah. Now keep your head up, talk to me, I know it could be easy, yeah. What would the world be if we let it be just fine? What would a smile be if not a tear sometimes? Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. I'm here with Greg Cott, and that's the song Easy by our guest, Swedish neo-soul and pop singer, Saina Bosi, from her debut album, Pretend. Jim, while C only released that album a few months ago, she's already generating a lot of acclaim, and most of it's uh, justly uh, focused on that raw honesty and maturity in that voice. But before she was singing her own truth, Cinebo was on tour with a local rap group acting as their quasi-hype woman, through one of the rappers, she met producer Magnus Lighthall, who has worked with pop stars like Katy Perry and EDM artists like David Guetta and Avicii. And during our conversation with Saint C, I asked her about meeting Lighthall. I, of course, never ever thought he was even going to answer. But I emailed him on Facebook and went to a studio. And he asked me what kind of music I liked. And I didn't really know what to answer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he started playing stuff he liked. We had this one song, it's called Glass Mountain Trust, with Mark Ronson and D'Angelo. But I'd never met anyone else that really liked that song, and and I'd felt pretty alone in in some of the music that I liked before I met him. So that's kind of how we clicked. And then I think he just emailed me the that nobody wanted to really (laughs) do anything on. And the the complicated stuff that was like, this is weird, and I don't know who's going to do something on this, but try it out. So that's how that, that happened. He's throwing you challenges. Yeah. And that was that has been our relationship. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You stepped up big time. You hadn't really written songs before. No. And one of your biggest songs was one of the first songs you actually sat down to write, right? Yeah. I feel like I probably have written songs in my head, though, since I was 10. I mean, yeah. but I never wrote structured songs. And I wrote a lot like a rapper. The verses were like three verses. It was too much. But I think... Younger is the maybe the third song I ever wrote. Well, the irony of Younger, you know, is you're 21 when you write it. You're now, you know, you're 25. <laughs> and you're singing, you might as well get it while you can, babe, because you know you, you ain't getting any younger. Yeah. I mean, you're 21. is a baby. Music industry is crazy. Everyone is so young. And that's what a lot of the pop culture is about. And I don't necessarily like that at all. But mm-hmm. that's really what it is. I mean, if you're a female singer yeah. and you're I'm 30 in five years. I mean, five <laughs> years is nothing. No, but see, and if you look at it, like how old was Alicia Keys when she dropped her first album? Yeah. Or Beyonce. So I'm trying to defend my age anxiety mm-hmm. that I have and still and had then. But it's only because I live in this messed up music industry yeah, world. But, 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 it's but, not in our reality. Taylor Swift mm-hmm. is tweeting that you wrote one of her favorite songs ever. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's like you're cooler than the young ones. I mean, come on. Maybe it's not really about it being cooler. Of course, you understand that too. But it's about competing with my younger self at that point because all I was doing was partying. I wasn't doing anything. And I feel like 
I'm so grateful that I know what I love to do. And I feel like if you're one of those lucky people that actually even know what you like to do, you should try to do it. Mm-hmm. What about the process of recording your music? You made, you made two EPs and then Pretend the album came out last year. Got great acclaim around the world. What was it about that process of going from basically I'd only written songs in my head to finding yourself in the studio with this producer who you yeah. barely knew to, to recording? What, what was it about that process that surprised you, if anything? Everything. Yeah. I Before I met Magnus, I hadn't even thought about there being something called a pre-chorus or middle eight. I never saw songs in structure the way that he or everyone else, yeah. you know, I, I never reflected even. I remember the first time he was like, oh, and then you have the same melody in the first and the second verse. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. I'd listen to rap and neo soul and reggae music. You know, it isn't as clear in those genres. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. And there was this year where he didn't really have time with me, but I was allowed to be in the studio and he sent me stuff. And, and I remember really being frustrated, but understanding really that I had to learn. I didn't know about writing songs. I, I could sing, sort of, but I didn't know about writing songs. And I'm very grateful for that year. But a lot of stuff happened in the same year. I've realized now, and it's been just like a whirlwind. Well, do you have another song you want to play for us? Yes, let's play Pretend. Turned out as great as it could, not going. 
things are going just as they should knock on wood just so far so good so far so good so far so good so Santa Bosi with Pretend on Sound Opinions, a beautiful version of a track from her Pretend album, the title track. So you named the album after that song. Yeah. Big job for that song. Not only a song <laughs> title, but an album title. What, what is it about some of the themes you were trying to get at in the album that, that are sort of typified by that song? I feel like pretending is what I've done the most of in my life and that has helped me and destroyed the most as well. Both things. I mean, I've, I've pretended to be a singer until I became a singer. And then I have, a, I have a hard time kind of putting titles on things because I hate finalizing what it's really about. Too. Mm. So I like that the word pretend kind of makes you wonder mm. what I mean. Wow, it sounds like you're using this music as a real outlet. I mean, you could be at a psychiatrist's couch <laughs> or you could be writing these songs. <laughs> yeah, that's really how music has worked in my life. It's an escape and it's a place for me to tell people my secrets. I mean, we didn't speak a lot about feelings in my family, and I think that writing was my way of doing that. The irony of you talking so much about pretending, you know, is that people listen. I mean, here it doesn't get much more simple, Sainabo, than that voice playing with just a piano. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. fake that. And, and, and all the critics are, are loving your music because of the authenticity. They're getting a sense of, I am hearing someone real. And you're saying, I'm just this faker who kind of snuck in here. <laughs> but I feel, that's how it feels. I mean, I don't know. I, it's not my job to look at myself from the outside in that way. I understand what you mean, but I don't know how to even reflect around that. Because to me, this is surreal and that I get to travel the world and sing. It's like, at least like I'm playing a role because this isn't reality. You know, this is not who I am when I go to bed or when I my mom calls me because I forgot my little sister's birthday or I have laundry to do. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so that's why it feels um, surreal more than fake. Soul comes up, and I know you were listening to artists like Lauren Hill and Erica Badu, yeah. artists like that Jill Scott, absolutely, who get tagged with Neo Soul. And I always wonder why is the Neo there? It's Soul. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And it's interesting to me that you you studied music in, in Stockholm at a music school, and I'd interviewed you a few weeks ago, and you mentioned that well, I, I studied soul music. Yeah. And there are people who would say you can't study soul music. You either have soul or you don't have soul. <laughs> Yeah. And I would say, obviously, you have soul in, in, in these songs, but what, is that, what does that word mean to you? Telling the truth, really. And I feel like we should just open up. You know, you always put up something in front of or after or make soul complicated. Or It's just like pop music. It should be able to be popular music as well. Soul is telling the truth and having a vibe to it, a way of singing that you can't explain. And I do agree with you. Like, that's what I learned from trying to study soul music, that you really can't. You're in this area where, you know, your songs definitely have the potential to be huge pop hits. You've, you've had some already. And, and pop is not normally associated with 
bearing those kind of feelings. It's more like it's generic, it's universal. Let's not say too much where it seems mm. like you want two or three layers to your songs. Absolutely. To me, I'm just very bad at making things up. And I like when I can really tap into a memory when I'm singing something. It helps me to convey it. But then I think there's totally an art to, like Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Like she, the way you take somebody else's words and somebody else's experience and you can open up your heart and have empathy and convey that even if you haven't experienced it. You mentioned that word truth, and I think it's a big one. But when you talk about these artists that influenced you, that sounds like what you wanted to hear, what you needed to hear at that point in your life was some of that truth from from them. Absolutely. I I grew up in a little town with no black people. I had elder sisters that I didn't know back then, and I really wanted elder sisters because I think I felt alone. I was the oldest in my family at that point, and... So Alicia Keys and Destiny's Child and Lauren Hill and Erica Badu and Jill Scott kind of became my little, my big sisters that I listened to and learned things from and that give me advice about things. And <laughs> and I just, I loved diving into that world. Somebody should have told me Darkness is key Somebody should have showed me How was I supposed to see You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Codd with Jim DeRigatis. We're talking to Sainable C here in the studio. You are worth a big label. How are you going to negotiate that divide where you want to tell truth, you want to sing soul music, people are going to try to push you towards pop, we, we want hits. Have you thought about that in terms of how you want to approach that? Every day, Sounds like you're, sh- all you're the sh- time. shaking your head yes. right now. <laughs> this is... This is like what my life is about right now Mm -hmm. and what I think about and why I can't sleep. I don't know. I feel there are absolutely artists throughout history that have made hits that feel like they come from the heart. It's just not easy. It takes a little longer, but those songs really stay. Adele has more soul than a lot of people have, Mm -hmm. and she's amazing and big and and Sam Smith, the same thing. Or to me, Beyonce has incredible amounts of soul. I need time. <laughs> mm. That's really what I'm going to try to convey to record labels because I'm going to go into trying to write the next album. So we talked about Younger, you know, your big hit that, that introduced you to the world. And Younger opens the album. The album ends with a really striking song, Burial. And we were talking before about your father, West African drummer of some acclaim, that last track on the record's about his death. Mm-hmm. You can't get much more, I'm going to open up my soul and pour it out into oh. a song than that. I'll tell you the story about that song. I, I wrote it before he died. I sat down and I was like, let me write it like a movie. And I had a whole different story behind it. And then when he died, I wanted to, of course, write about, you know, because you're like an artist and you feel like, oh, my God, the sorrow is here. Write a song about it. But then I realized that when you're sad for real, you're tired and you can't. I mean, I could have put four minutes of silence on the record because that was really exactly what I felt. It wasn't anything else. I couldn't explain how it felt to have my dad die. I mean, there's no real good way of doing that so close onto it happening because I was finishing the album you know, very close to that. But I had a friend that said, okay, but this song, and then he changed the chords up in the chorus, and it sounded like I was happy that this person passed away nearly, and it sounds hopeful, and then I just felt like that would be the right song to explain that, so I changed a couple of words around, and now it's 
absolutely about him passing mm. away, and that's exactly how I feel. I hear you speak to me as you spoke to me, saying, Come down, baby. Grains of sand will never be strong enough to make me leave. Is it tough to go to these places that you're writing about younger, a moment in your life where you felt like things weren't working out, would it ever work out, mm. Burial about your dad? Is it tough singing those songs on stage? Burial gets tough. Younger I'm happy about because I feel like it's a good testament of like, just write about exactly what you're feeling in that moment. If you're feeling like, I suck at writing, write a song about, I can't write. It, it's going to apply to somebody's life some way, you know. You're going to give us one more song? Yes, yes. I thought I'd sing Hard Time for you. So that's what's happening. Excellent. Hard time forgiving, even harder forgetting. Before you do, son, that you might regret, friend. Took me for granted, but call it love if you will. I'm aware it is. I did let you win. Sink for you to swim. Dancing on the ledge. Try to make you stay. I did let you win. Broke to what became. Became you and me. Try to mend it, but I. Time for 
that regret friend. Saint of OC. Man, hard time. Live on Sound Opinions. We want to say thanks to uh, Saint of OC for being our guest on Sound Opinions today. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. We've had a great time. That marks the end of our conversation with Saint of OC. And now we want to hear from you. What do you think of Saint Abo's music? And who are some of your favorite singers and producers straight out of Sweden? Call and leave us a message at 888-859-1800. Coming up, we review the new album by Brian Eno, and then Greg drops a coin in the Desert Island Jukebox. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. We have clothes and crucifix. He who stands for nothing falls alone. You tighten the rope. Watch the seasons grow. You have made it clear. Nothing for me here. Said to each his own. We all stand alone. I'm just a brick in your ruin of love. The ship was from Willing Land The waves about it rolled Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. And that is Brian Eno, a little bit of a track called The Ship, a 21 minute long tune that opens up his new album also called the ship all right so i get a lot of crap in these corners greg for my fandom of brian eno fact is we both admire him enormously born in 1948 raised in rural suffolk england near a u.s air force base he was entranced as a child by the martian music of doo-wop and early rock and roll debuted on the pop stage as a member of Roxy Music, went on to be a collaborator with many great artists. I think most notably, Robert Fripp, the guitarist, John Cale of the Velvet Underground, and David Bowie. Is a producer of some renown, has made uh, what many consider the best and certainly the most successful commercially albums by The Talking Heads, U2, and Coldplay. As a solo artist, as a performer himself, four immortal pop albums in the 1970s. That's what fans call them. Pop albums because they are pretty much song albums, okay? But he started in the middle of that string of four albums to explore this music that he has called ambient music. The quote-unquote rewards your attention but doesn't demand it. Eno's been on a hot streak in recent years. Two albums in uh, 2014 and now this new album. It's a concept record, The Ship. Eno said, Humankind seems to teeter between hubris and paranoia. The hubris of our ever-growing power contrasts with the paranoia that we're permanently and increasingly under threat. Somehow, this ties in with a concept album about the sinking of the Titanic, and shortly thereafter, 
the slaughter on the fields of Europe during World War I. Let's play some music from this album, and then we'll come back and give our opinions on Sound Opinions. This is Fickle Sun 3, also known as I'm Set Free from the Velvet Underground's third album, a classic Eno cover of this song. Here it is on Sound Opinions. I've been set free I've been bound To the memories of Yesterday's clouds I've been set free I've been bound That night Set free. I'm set free. I'm set free to find a new illusion. That is Brian Eno with his cover of the Velvet Underground's I'm Set Free from his latest album, The Ship. Jim, we were joking earlier about what a huge Eno fan you are, and I am as well. Although I have to say the last 20 years, the the work has been very up and down for me. But this is a stone Eno classic, as far as I'm concerned. One of his best albums, and very different. Late in his career, this guy is still coming up with new stuff, new ways to express himself. I think it's a merger of that ambient music that he basically invented in the 70s and 80s, and then the pop vocal stuff uh, mm-hmm. that he really loves. He's using these orchestral colors created primarily on synthesizers. I really think he's looking to sort of free his music from traditional song structure, even from traditional rhythms of any sort, and creating these kind of moving pictures based on sound. So you get this very palpable sense of this seemingly unsinkable ship, the Titanic, going down in the title track. And you get this very real sense of this great war, World War I, that ends up mired in you know, one of the greatest human disasters in history. And fusing these two events and saying, what have we learned in the last century? Not and, much. And it turns out with uh, the, the coda, basically, of I'm set free, I'm set free to find a new illusion. That cycle of paranoia and hubris that you mentioned before goes on and on and on. We're destined to repeat these same mistakes. But meanwhile, he's giving us a lot to think about in a new and innovative way. It's a buy it record for me. Well, I don't want to cause heart palpitations over there, but I'm sort of dubious of this record. I don't like it nearly as much as you. There is good Brian Eno ambient music. 
I love Thursday Afternoon. I love music for films. I don't love Brian Eno mucking around with a vocoder and kind of doing these buried under the mix sort of of vocalizations. There's an actor who comes in at one point on Fickle Sun 2 and does this cut and paste poem that was created by a chain generator software program. Eno's always been enamored of Mm -hmm. that Dada Yugo Ball approach to putting unlikely words together. I like the song-oriented Brian Eno. You hear that he grew up amazed by doo-wop when you listen to his cover of I'm Set Free. When Wrong Way Up with John Cale came out in the early 90s, I interviewed him and I said, Brian, why don't you sing more? Your voice is such an amazing instrument. And he really seemed surprised by that comment. But he's heard it now many times. He knows that we love to hear him sing. I think it's probably the strongest instrument in his arsenal, even more so than the synthesizers. I don't know why he doesn't do it more. As ambient music, which is what three-quarters of this album is, he's done much better. The cover of the Velvet Underground's I'm Set Free is beautiful. It's amazing. It's extraordinary. By all means, rush out, download it at this very moment. But I can't recommend that you do more than try the rest of the album. Well, I can just hear the disappointment in your voice, Jim, uh, about your hero, Brian Eno. And I'm shocked, frankly. I can't believe that you're just giving this a try-it rating. But hey, we got to live with it. I say go out and buy it. I think it's great. What do you think out there, the listeners? Give us a call, 888-859-1800, and give us your opinion about Brian Eno. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible here on Sound Opinions, one of us likes to take a trip to the desert island and play you a song we can't live without. Greg, it's your turn. What do you got? Well, Jim, we have just been inundated by uh, death in uh, the rock world in the last few months. Frankly, I want it to end. And I think when Prince died, that was such a huge worldwide event that some significant figures who also died got lost. One of them was Lonnie Mack, the great guitar player, dying at the age of 74 on April 21. Indiana farm boy grew up to basically become a true innovator in the way he blended country and blues and soul music on the guitar. His distinctive flying V guitar. A lot of uh, guitar aficionados loved Lonnie Mack for just the look of that instrument. But I think what was really most distinctive about him was the tone, particularly the way he used the whammy bar, turning the whammy bar into a textural, atmospheric type of instrument, creating this sort of extra reverb and using it not just to punctuate phrases, but throughout the entire run of notes that he would play to create this sort of watery effect that gave everything he played a really distinctive touch. And it was all there on that first album that came out in the early 60s, The Wham of That Memphis Man Mm. is what it was called. And that is a Bible for many guitar players, Dwayne Allman, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Keith Richards, Bruce Springsteen, they all picked up this record, listened to it endlessly to figure out what this guy was doing. The other aspect of Mac's art that was really underrated was his vocal style. He was a soul singer. In fact, he got invited to do interviews at uh, black radio stations. When he walked in the door, they go, wait a minute, that's not the guy we invited. We wanted that soul singer. It turned out to be Lonnie Mac, this farm boy from Indiana. But you can really hear that soulful 
quality on what I think is one of the great vocal performances of that era. I mean, the screams at the end of this song are absolutely harrowing. It is Lonnie Mack performing one of his originals called Why on Sound Opinions. Sometimes I get so I saw you with that man this morning. Well, I feel like I could die. Why, by the great Lonnie Mack, dead at the age of 74, Greg's Desert Island jukebox pick this week. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we're going to do a classic album dissection of one of the greatest albums of all time, The Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, on its 50th anniversary. As always, we have some thank yous to say for our session with St. Abosi, Adam Yaffe, Mary Gaffney, Andrew Gill, and Paula Friedrich helped out. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Libby Gormley. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. What a one, oh baby, what we had was good. How come you don't call me anymore? New messages. Hi, Sound Opinions. This is Rick in New York. Just calling to thank you for that show on Prince. I didn't want it to end. And I was hoping maybe you could follow up on Greg's suggestion about Prince's late career and maybe steering us to the good songs he put out over the last 20 years we may have overlooked. But speaking of overlooked, I really have to agree with Jim about Around the World in a Day. That album was just amazing. I remember when it came out, it was such a detour from Purple Rain. People really couldn't believe this was the same Prince they thought they knew. America, America. 
brilliant work, varied and strangely fitting together. So thanks for including Around the World in a Day, but really thanks for helping us listeners get over Prince's passing. I'm personally just a little weary from these gut punches and hoping not to hear another one of these kind of shows for a while. Thanks. Hi, my name is Pam Leonard. 1978, I was dating the guy, and Prince was just starting out. I remember it was an album cover. I think he was naked on the horse, on the white horse, and my boyfriend said, look, you got to listen to this guy. He's something else, something to be reckoned with. And he took me to Uptown uh, Theater. It's in Chicago on Broadway, and he was out of sight. Oozed sexuality to the utmost. I said, God, this guy's going to be really big, really big. loss, a terrible loss, and I hope that the young, anybody who's into music would get a chance to listen to his music and understand his music as well. Thank you very much for letting me give my opinion. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Gavin Van Horn from Evanston, Illinois. I work for an organization in Chicago called the Center for Humans and Nature, so I was intrigued by your Earth Day theme show for many reasons. Mainly, guys, the show challenged me to ponder your question of whether there are any more recent environmental protest songs out there that avoid the pitfalls of preachiness or saccharine schlock? I'm going to go with the Bose Hummingbird. But I got a message from the hummingbird. He gave me a warning in disguise. He told me they're marching on Monsanto, but the same. tune of magical realism with a haunting interspecies plea that I haven't been able to forget since I first heard it. Thank you, guys. Hey, guys. This is Evan Wistis from the Humboldt Park neighborhood here in Chicago. just want to give you guys a call and tell you about my favorite TV music moment. Uh, it occurs at the close of Episode 3 of the HBO show The Wire. They use a Solomon Burke cover of the song Fast Train by Van Morrison. And I think it just perfectly captures the mood of that series. The despair, as well as the tragic comic hope, the idea that Cornell West has written about before. Thanks. Oh, you've been on a fast train And it's going off the rail And you can't come back, can't come back again And you start breaking down in the pouring rain Oh, you've been on a fast train On a fast train No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.